with a, the near approach of Holy Week, Palm Sunday, next Sunday, and Diane going to be with us, and Easter beyond, so um, precious and wonderful worship times coming up. Thank you that they're all wrapped around historical things that Jesus actually did on our behalf. Awesome. We give you glory, Lord. I want to know you more, Father. I want to understand your word. I want to grow in the knowledge of you. We also want to grow in the love of you and our ability to share you with others. So, Holy Spirit, come and help us with that now. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. We are in Revelation chapter 16. 15 and 16 go together hand in hand. It's uh, the seven bowls, the last of God's wrath poured out. So we're at the tail end of things. At this point, in the seven years, this red button. Seven years in here, and there's an additional 30 days according to Daniel. He doesn't give us a lot of detail about why it's 30 days. Then another 45 days before the thousand-year millennium begins. So um, I'm confident, believes that 30 days here are for this rapid outpouring of God's final wrath and so forth. Armageddon happens here pretty soon, and uh, that's where we're at in the time. We're way at the tail end of things, God's final wrath. So we're in chapter 16. We had gotten through the first three bowls, but I want to uh, back up a little bit. Yeah, I guess we'll start with the third angel, because this section is longer than the others, and we didn't quite finish it out last Sunday. So chapter 16 in Revelation, beginning at verse 1. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And so the previous one, the second bowl was, uh, well, let's, let's put my illustration up for you, just to do a quick summary of how we got to where we are. So we started off with discovering that the overcomers, the overcomers um, have harps from God and they're singing praises and so forth, and they're excited because God's judgment is finally going to be poured out and things are going to be wrapped up. So this is representing the temple. It says God is in the temple. The smoke of His presence was so intense and powerful that nobody could be in the temple, even the Apparently, even the four living creatures, the 24 elders had to leave. Nobody could be there because of the intensity of his holiness and the wrath God's about to pour out. Um, almost get kind of the feeling that God doesn't want them to experience his wrath either. So it's really kind of interesting. So is that light ladybug flying back and forth in front of them. So this one angel represents each of them. There's, there's one angel for each of the bowls. These are the bowls. They're golden. Easy to pour out, quick to pour out. So these are going to be in rapid succession here in the last days, literally days of um, God's wrath. The first one, uh, terrible sores were pouring out upon the people. It's clear to say that only on the people who have the mark. <coughs> so interesting. Those who haven't taken the mark, um, the sores don't Im impact them. Second bowl caused the seas, the, the saltwater bodies, to all turn to thick putrid blood. Everything in the seas died. So that's another reason why when you look at the impact of these bowls, you're like, this has to be at the end because human life would not be supported for very long once these are poured out. You couldn't live. 
the Bloody Seas, and now we're at the third one, Bloody River. So first saltwater um, sources were polluted, and now the fresh water. Okay, back to 16, verse 4. Third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in these judgments. He's speaking to God. You are just in these judgments. You who are and who were the Holy One, because you have so judged. So, so God's judgments are true just because he is God. He is holy and righteous, and he's the creator. The one who makes something has total authority and, and power over its its destiny, right? The creator. So he says, you're the creator, so whatever your judgments are, they're fine. But then there's he's going to go on and give detail why this blood judgment is appropriate. Verse 6, for they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. So that's where we ended last Sunday. Um, interesting. So this angel makes this declaration, and he declares that God's judgments are true and just. These, these judgments are terrible. They're horrifying. But then why so? Because um, God's putting the blood that they've shed, our blood, back on them. It's an eye for an eye type of judgment. So it's appropriate. Now, verse 7 Interesting, it says, and I heard the altar respond. Now, pieces of furniture don't speak. Amen. So when it says, I heard the altar respond, what's it referring, who's it referring to? The martyrs, right? So just quickly to kind of refresh us on that, that's in Revelation chapter 6, beginning verse 9. Revelation 6, verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer till the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed, as they had been, was completed. So, and then the altar gets mentioned two or three other times later in Revelation. Each time, it's referring back to those slain saints, asking God, when, is, when are you going to make this right? When is your true and just judgment going to be poured out? Well, here it is. So verse 7 in chapter 16. I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. So has their prayer for justice been answered? How does he avenge it? With blood. And so, in the first case, in the taking of our blood, that's an innocent, they're taking innocent blood. We're not perfect, but they're taking our lives because we belong to Christ Jesus. We haven't offended them, we haven't taken anything, we haven't stolen anything from them, we haven't killed them. So their taking of our lives is uh, an injustice along the lines of Jesus' death on the cross. So the, the response, uh, blood everywhere, 
God making it really clear. about this judgment that Son was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. The, the fourth angel pours out his bowl upon the what? Son, and then as heat and fire scorches people, is there a way in the natural realm that this God uses natural to accomplish his will. How would this function in nature? Drought. Drought. Drought, thank you. Yeah. Um, it, drought normally takes a while to kick into gear. This is a pretty instantaneous, rapid thing. Okay. If you remove the ozone layer, one of the really super unique things about our sun is that it's it's really as far as suns go it's the most stable um, stays within a tight parameter sun we've ever seen. All the other suns we've ever studied are much more volatile. Uh, their sun flares and stuff are a much bigger impact. And their range of temperature and heat and energy they put out is way off the charts compared to ours. Ours is almost like, you know, somebody's got a thermostat on a wall, and it keeps it in a really tight range so that life here can exist on Earth. So if you remove some of that restraint and the solar flares really took off, yeah, you could get these results real quickly. Good. Okay. What's the impact of it on people? scorch people with fire, so I don't know exactly. I don't think 50 sunblock is going to probably do the job. Uh, you're going to have to be indoors, it sounds like. I don't know. Seared by the intense heat, so the, the heat, the temperature is going to go way up. They cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues. They refused to repent. Now, we talk about is there anybody left that could possibly repent? There is a small portion of the population that hasn't taken the mark. And that, that could, maybe isn't saved yet, it could possibly repent and get saved. How many, how many people is that? I don't know. But I'd say it's on the small end. Is it a percentage of 5% or 2%? and stuff. We have trumpets. A third of the population died at this one. A third died in that one. So, yeah. We were reading that 
Yeah, Satan yeah. is. Yeah, Satan himself has been in God's very presence in the throne room and seen the whole thing. He watched creation take place and all that stuff. This also brings back to mind, of course, uh, Pharaoh's heart. He saw God's repeated miracles and ramping up of those miracles, the plagues, continued to harden his heart. Kind of admitted towards the end that God really is God, but then still hardened his heart again. So, boy, we have our, an amazing capacity to harden our hearts. We're seeing that on display in a big way, of course, in Ukraine and stuff. I don't know how anybody, including Putin himself, could, could look at the, the harm, the pain, the suffering that he's caused and not have any, barely any glint of compassion. It's possible. I mean, human beings are capable of some pretty amazing stuff. The intense heat will kill only the people. It won't destroy anything else. Well, you know, yeah. It says seared by the intense heat, but then it says they curse the name of God. So it sounds like it's survivable. So I don't know. It doesn't mention people dying. But it says that they curse God and refuse to repent. So I don't know how many die with this plague. Eventually, and that's again how quickly these follow each other. Do they follow each other in hours, days? I mean, if you if you destroy the world's water supply, salt and fresh, you're talking about you got three or four days, not only the bottled water and stuff, whatever, but um, the vast majority of the world still drinks its water from natural supply. So seems to me that these are poured out really pretty rapidly. Once the and the blood bloody waters, that's the second and third bowl. And then the whole population is What do you do if you're hot and there's no water? Oh mm. true. Yeah, that's that that right. pours that much more on. I mean they're gonna be dehydrated and, and that's gonna be, be that much more. My impression is that these are really right one right after the other here. And we're right at the edge of survivability immediately within these judgments. Okay, very good. Other questions or comments? Just trying to wrap our brains and our hearts around this. Okay, so still a refusal to repent. Verse 10. Fifth angel, oh, we didn't do our little Pastor Joe drawing. <laughs> so there's the scorching sun. We do two things with the sun here. So this one is the scorching sun. I tried to, you know, intense red and then great rapid damage, immediate kind of thing. How long does it take an event on the sun to reach the earth? Solar flares and stuff that takes takes a while for the impact to reach. They give us warning sometimes. They're like, 
it's kind of like you know, like some of your electronics aren't going to work right. And it seems like it's a couple days to get these things to work right. What they can do with that compressor is how long does it take a solar flare to detect it? Because, you know, they experienced I think back to these plagues so far, and from a medical standpoint, those sores alone all over their body, they're going to dehydrate, and there's nothing to drink, and then there's blazing heat, and then I looked ahead, but there's darkness coming, and I thought, well, that's pretty much hell on earth, which they're going to experience for eternity. Fifteen to eighteen hours. Fifteen days. Eight. Fifteen to eighteen hours. Oh, hours. Thank you. Fifteen to eighteen hours. Is that kind of an event? They'll know it's coming. Then. Okay, verse ten. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his his kingdom was plunged into darkness. So we've seen that before in the Bible. Anything like that? Crucifixion. Yeah, crucifixion. Egypt is one of the plagues. One of the fascinating things about that plague is that all Egypt went dark. Anybody remember how for how long? <laughs> I know it's a SpongeBob reference. Uh, three days, and then what is more unique about this darkness? All Egypt was pitch black, except for Goshen, where the Israelites were living. So I don't know how God, of course, accomplished that, but it's like they crossed the river kind of thing, and that side was black, and this side was more light. So God was making clear, making it clear to the Egyptians and the Israelites, making it clear to them, I am the true God. Stick with me. And then for the Egyptians, it was the true God is over there. Um, you might want to give yourselves to Him, and, and some did. So that's what God was trying to accomplish. So. Similar type of thing. Well, this is worldwide. Uh, what about this throne of the beast thing? Is the beast? Yeah, the Antichrist usually. Um, usually Satan is described as the dragon in Revelation. So the throne of the beast is the Antichrist, but where's his throne? Jerusalem. We're never told specifically. I mean, he goes into the temple at one point and says, worship me, I'm God. But we don't know that, I mean, where does he actually establish his throne, his place of rule? 
could be Babylon to Messiah. Sure, and that makes sense. Uh, I don't know that a verse says that specifically, but it makes sense. And we'll talk about Babylon coming up in the next few chapters. Is that Rome or not? Hussein started rebuilding it and stuff, and his dad kind of pretty much got shut down. Okay, interesting. So the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. What does that mean? His kingdom was plunged into darkness. He's got a ten-nation specific kingdom, but right now the whole world is under his authority. I'm just curious. Is it just his ten-nation kingdom, or is it the whole world? I'm not sure which one to lean towards. It was plunged into darkness. And then this is interesting. It goes back to one of the previous bowls, basically. It says, men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. That goes back to the very first bowl. So lest we forget about the first bowl, those are continuing a problem. This also makes me wonder about, is this, is this like day one, day two, day three? Just curious. Why is it worse at night? Let's play with that for a second. When you feel crummy, when you feel sick, why does it feel like it's worse at night? Isolated, maybe? Can't sleep. You'd love to be feeling okay and at peace and sleeping, but you're wide awake so that the lack of sleep adds to your anxiety. Sunshine can lift your spirits. Yeah, and the lack of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Satan does his, his best, his worst work in the dark. That's a, obviously a recurring theme, right? Refuse to repent, refuse to repent, refuse to repent. We're, we're at a stage where 
this is the, the hardcore of the people who hate God. They've been through all of his judgments so far. So if you haven't, if your heart hasn't been softened and you haven't thought about returning to God, you're just getting harder, harder, madder, madder. We're at the end of the end of all hate. Yeah. If if they've got the mark, there's no point. But so yeah, there's there's maybe a few who haven't taken the mark that could possibly. Yeah, and I don't know this word. These words. Um, Talmud doesn't say all. In some places it says nobody repented or, or they all refused to repent. But you have to be careful with that word all. In our English ears, that sounds like 100% exclusive. And in the Greek and the Hebrew, usually it allows for a small portion of the difference. It's, so it's a generalization. It's the vast majority is what we would say to be technically correct. Can I have you just well, it mentions that, that's a good question, Janet. So she says, but these bulls are just impacting the people who took the mark. Now, the very first bull, it tells us that. 16, verse 2. The first angel went and poured out his bull in the land, and ugly and painful swords broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. So that, and that might be, sometimes in the Bible, when you have a series of things, the very first one, something is stated, we're meant to understand that that carries through all the remaining. And I'm, I'm kind of leaning that way, but yeah. Okay. So then with God saying there's not anybody to kill them, and with this hint that they didn't repent, so they found God, they still had a chance, even though they had the mark. Yes, no? I don't know. They can't repent under salvation. Bible is super clear. You take the mark, you're done. Okay, this is good. So they refuse to repent. Who, who are the ones that are feeling, experiencing all these? And this goes back to the, the swords. Um, in verse 9, they were seared by the intense heat. They cursed the name of God. Oh, I'm sorry. Jump down. It's down verse 11. I'm sorry. Verse 11. Nod their tongues in agony, curse the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. So these are specifically the people who have taken the mark. So it's not pain. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And some of them are not ready to repent because of these Well, their time is getting really short. But right. yeah, yeah. So Kellen is correct in saying, well, you know, if all the water goes bad, that's impacting everybody, whether you've got the mark or not. So specifically the sores, only if you've got the mark. These other bowls would have an impact on everybody. The scorching sun, I think that would impact everybody. Nobody perishes, maybe? Well, 
specific mention of that. We'll get to some people dying here in a moment with these last couple bulls. But if you think about the ten plagues in Egypt, most of those didn't cause death. They were just radically annoying. And gnats and flies and frogs and stuff like that. Towards the end, you end up having death being a consequence. So far, it's been lived through it. Horrifying to imagine living through it, but haven't heard death mentioned yet. Okay, very good, Kendra. Not the point today. Other things. Okay, so again, just uh, keeping in mind this undercurrent of Pharaoh and his heart hardening, refusing to repent from going through this. One, verse 12, then. Can we do the, oh, we didn't do the Pastor Joe illustration. When kids said this looked like an amoeba or something, or, or a squid, a dead squid or something, it's, it's supposed to be the darkened sun. <laughs> and that's that's my little version of the beast, right? With the seven heads. The darkness on the beast is um, that fifth bowl. Now, sixth and seventh bowls are really fascinating. Oh, this is his tail. Yeah, that's the only thing I put color on. Don't ask me why. <laughs> his tail is supposed to be like a leopard. So, <laughs> there you go. Any other questions on Pastor Joe's topic? <laughs> right, well, it depends. I did that many years ago, so. Verse 12. So things uh, rapidly shift gears for these last two bowls. So verse 12. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Now this is really interesting. So if you have, I don't, I don't have a map to put up. It'd take a bit of time. But if you have maps in the back of your Bible, we know where the Euphrates is today? Go to the back of your Bibles. Most of you have maps. Well, it's it's turned to blood. It's still flowing, maybe. But it is bloody, undrinkable, and so forth. Um, not sure which map to go to. Yeah. Tigers on your map? Which map is it? Oh, here we go. So if you, like my map eight, map eight is uh, Assyrian and Babylonian empires. Usually those are kind of standard in the Bible, but not always. No. You got the Tigris. There's the Euphrates. Euphrates is hit first. So, and Euphrates is the one that goes through Babylon. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. 
So let me see if I can kind of map this out for you. Visual, use our imagination this morning, please. So you got Mediterranean Sea here, right? Its coastline, that's Israel, right on the Mediterranean Sea coast. And as you go east, you got you got desert, Iraq, and then Iran. Syria and stuff, desert areas as you go east. And then you hit the Tigris. Was it Euphrates first? Euphrates first. So Euphrates comes down from the north and empties into the Red Sea. Persian Gulf. Come together. Okay. So the Euphrates comes down. And remember, uh, Abraham came from the Chaldees, that's way up north. That's Euphrates starts way up north. I think it starts close to the okay, close to the Black Sea. Euphrates comes down, and it uh, probably two thirds down its length is where Babylon was, or kind of is, and destroyed. And then it ends up down in the Persian Gulf. So your the Tigris is a little bit further east. So if you keep going, uh, what's on the others? What's east of the Euphrates? tell on your map, sometimes they don't, that's far enough out. Mesopotamia, that's the ancient, right, that makes sense that they would have that on the map. What is it nowadays, modern day? Iran specifically, a little bit of Iraq, you can clip there, but Iran, what's on the other side of Iran? Syria, yeah, Syria, Persia, all that stuff, those are the ancient, um, so the other side of Iran, you end up pretty pretty soon in Nepal, pretty soon you get to India, Pakistan. And of course, on the other side of that is our beloved China. China. So really, really interesting, because what does it tell us? So it pours the bowl on the great river Euphrates. Its water was dried up with what purpose? the way for the kings from the east. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is only, it's going to be Armageddon. The, the soldiers, the troops for Armageddon are coming from the east. Um, it's not saying that only troops from the east, but, but maybe mainly Interesting from the east. Iran and stuff makes sense because both Rome and so forth. But uh, China makes some sense. China's getting more and more interested in Israel all the time. Israel keeps discovering oil and natural gas deposits, and so there's natural reasons to be interested. Um, China and, and Russia are buddying up more and more all the time, and Russia's the only interested in, in Israel, so. There's practical reasons for that stuff coming together. But this is just really interesting. Wait for the kings from the east. Uh, it may just be meaning that when the kings come against Christ, not coming against Jerusalem here, they're going to come against Christ. Um, Megiddo, Armageddon is about 50, 60 miles north of Jerusalem. It's a place where massive battles have happened repeatedly in history. And, and in the last they're going to come from the east. 
interesting. And so for that, so what's God doing with this bowl? Is he slowing down their advance or helping their advance? Helping them. He's helping them. Why would God help speed up their advance? The end is near. Does God want to extend this terrible suffering? No. I mean, these people are, they took the mark. They're destined for hell. They've been, they've been destined for hell for years. Two, maybe three years already. Does God rejoice in their suffering? No. no. So he's even speeding up the end here. Fascinating to me. Dried up the Euphrates to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Anything else you want to dig into there? So God's actually speeding it up. Um, this is like the classic of the movie, you know, like to your to your opponent, you're like, let's go, come on, bring it. You know, uh, that's what God's doing here. He's like, let's get this over with. Verse 13. And so if if you're the enemy and your enemy is making it easier for you to get there faster, that might signal something. Verse 13, this is really interesting too. John says, Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon. Who's this the dragon? <coughs> Satan himself. Out of the mouth of the beast. Who's that? Antichrist. And out of the mouth of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs. And they go out to the kings of the whole world. See, that's why I say it's not just strictly the kings from the east who come in the final battle. They go out to the kings of the whole world for what purpose? Of performing miraculous signs and wonders to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. So he sends out these unclean spirits, these demonic spirits to perform signs and wonders to convince the kings look at the power we've got we can do all kinds of miracles and signs and wonders look at the power we got send all your troops, we're going to whoop on them we're going to wipe out this Jesus thing once and for all why are they coming after Jesus? because previously he's come down to rule and reign on the earth he's, he's got boots on the ground at Mount Zion, right, a couple chapters ago 144,000 with him so like not, we don't care about Jerusalem anymore. We're coming after Jesus himself. He's not going to rule and reign on the earth for the kingdom of God. So uh, this is fascinating. We're going to wrap it today. We'll come back into this next Sunday. But uh, So that saying, I've got a what in my throat? Oh, I'm, <clears throat> I'm sorry, i got a frog in my throat. Where does that saying come from? coming out of the throats of the devil and the Antichrist. I just love that. The kids are always like, frog in my throat comes from the Bible? Uh, used to be other sayings were really more common, but our knowledge of the Bible is so crummy now that a lot of those sayings have fallen off in use. You know, the handwriting's on the wall, um, stuff like that. That's from Daniel and those kinds of things were commonly used in everyday conversation in America, less and less so with the knowledge of the Bible dropping off. 
frog in your throat. Get rid of that. That's a demon. I'll put my little last one. So I tried to show a river. Here's the loop of the water. And then stopped. God poured out this bowl and stopped the water from flowing, made the riverbed dry. Uh, it's prep, preparation for Armageddon. So that the king, the troops could cross easily and come to the battle more quickly. Okay? Let's pray. Mm. Awesome God, you're sovereign. You are Lord. And Lord, uh, the Bible talks about in places that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That even those who are in right, saved relationship with you as their children should still have a, a holy reverence and awe, and to some degree, a right fear of you and your righteousness. And we're getting a really good explanation for why that should be the case. So even as we see the holiness of you, God, and the fearsomeness of that, Lord, we appreciate your grace and your mercy even that much more. Help us, Lord, to give grace and mercy to those around us who don't I know this is your heartbeat to bring in more and more the lost before the trumpet blows. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.